We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, January the 6th, 2020. On today's show, I'll go over quickly some news and notes, including women's basketball beating down Alabama 93 to 78 to move to 14 and 1 and 2 and 0 overall in league play. Also, Alex Huntley at the Army All American game, Jadavion Clowney trolling the Eagles fan base in a win for the Seahawks. Your listener questions, and we have a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks linebacker Kawan Lewis, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy. This is a podcast from to you by our friends over at Ag South Farm Credit. Guys, most lenders don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit specializes in land financing and has been doing it for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even home mortgages and construction. They have a ton of great benefits, including long-term fixed rate financing for 20 years, down payments as low as 15%. They have competitive rates, and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year as what they call patronage. They're cooperatives. They share in their profits with their member borrowers. So guys, for example, on a $300,000 loan at 6.5% for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. They have an experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance it. Guys, whenever you're making a big time life decision like this, whether it be buying a house, getting land, getting married, buying a car, even whatever it may be, whenever you make a big time life decision, you want to feel comfortable about that decision. You want to make sure you have the right people in your corner. People are going to make you feel comfortable about that. They're going to take the stress out of it because we all know there can be a lot of stress when you're doing stuff like that. Ag South Farm Credit is that lender. Whenever you're making this type of decision, they're going to be in your corner. They're going to make you feel good about everything. And they're really going to make the process super simple, super easy, and make it as easy as possible for you. Um, one of the questions they get the most often, so whenever buying land, getting a mortgage, stuff like that, a lot of people have asked them, do you have to get two loans when buying land and building a house or can you bundle it into one loan, right? Really, really important question. So they do have the ability to do a one-time close on your land, home construction, and permanent financing. So you don't have to pay double the closing costs. So anywhere we can save money, right? That's a big deal. So you're not gonna have to pay double the closing costs. They'll even work with customized cash draws for your builder to make it easier on them to get your home built quicker. So Again, another way that Ag South Farm Credit is just making things easier for you. They're going to be able to bundle this up for you when you're doing the when you're buying the land, when you're getting the mortgage stuff like that. So, if you want more information on their construction to permanent financing, give them a call 844 Ag South or visit their website agsouthfc.com/tsus. That's A G S O U T H F C 
dot com slash TSUS Ag, Ag South and Equal Housing Lender NMLS six one nine seven eight eight. So again, their website agsouthfc.com slash TSUS or give them a call eight four four Ag South and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. All right, let's get into it. All right, I'm Chris Phillips. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Happy Monday, everyone. Appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, very exciting show today. Got a fantastic interview. Kawan Lewis, very, very excited for you guys to hear that. Before we dive into everything, a quick housekeeping item. If you haven't done so yet, if you're listening to the podcast, do me a quick favor if you haven't done so. Click the pause button. Go leave five stars. Go leave a review. Go leave your feedback. It helps boost up the show. Helps other people that maybe haven't heard of the Spurs Up show find it. Whatever platform you're on, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it may be, take the time to click the pause button, leave a five-star review, leave your thoughts, leave your comments, leave your feedback. I really, really do appreciate it. Also, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not subscribed to it, I don't know what you're doing, so click the pause button, click the subscribe button. You're going to get daily notifications when the daily podcast drop. If you're listening to this podcast and you're not subscribed again, I'm not sure what you're thinking there, but make sure you are subscribed. Click that subscribe button. Again, you're going to get those notifications and you're going to be in the know as soon as the podcast drop on a daily, daily basis. All right. Like I said, honestly, a shorter show today. We've got a fantastic interview that I want to really get right into. Not a lot happening over the weekend for the Gamecocks. Uh, so just some news and notes to get to. And obviously some really good listener questions. I will say women's basketball beats down Alabama 93 to 78 Gamecocks, Dawn Staley and company. Improved to 14-1 and and 2-0 and in the SEC. Doing absolute work right now. The Gamecocks hosting Arkansas on Thursday. The next time women's basketball is in action. Arkansas, I believe, ranked 20th in the country. South Carolina obviously still ranked in the top five. Overall, just sort of ho-hum for South Carolina. Gamecocks went on the road to Tuscaloosa. Got the big win. I will say one thing. I think it's a testament to how great South Carolina basketball fans and women's basketball fans are. Gamecocks average, what, 10,000-plus per game for women's basketball. Um, and if you look at the game at Tuscaloosa, I think there might have been a whole 100 people in the arena. So, again, not every school takes women's basketball seriously as South Carolina fans do. Not every school's got a team like South Carolina has. But either way, um, really speaks, again, to the passion of Gamecock fans and the support Gamecock fans give when you know, you're averaging 10,000-plus and you go to a place like Alabama and they can't even get 100 people in the arena. So, either way, I mean, Don Staley and crew continuing to roll 14-1, and 2-0 in the SEC. I, again, I said it on social media last week. I'll continue to say it. You know, go ahead and fast-forward this season to the Final Four because I, I don't see anybody beating this South Carolina team. They're scary good with all these true freshmen. Um, a lot of playmakers. There's a lot of girls that can score the basketball, and I, I think it's going to be a great year for Don Staley and company. And Look forward to following them on their way to uh, probably, in my opinion, winning another national title. Obviously, UConn stands in the way, and you got to get over that hurdle. I think they actually play in the regular season this year. I have to take another look. But either way, um, South Carolina well on its way to winning another SEC title. Dawn Staley and crew, again, just continue to do work. So congratulations to Dawn Staley and the Gamecocks women's basketball team picking up another big conference win. Um, Alex Huntley, the Army All-American game, for those that watch, I thought he had a pretty good game, made a uh, – Made a nice tackle on the last play of the game, but overall it's been fun to watch the Gamecocks in their all-star games. Very, very excited for what Huntley can do once he gets on campus. Um, a guy that, you know, I think is going to be kind of overshadowed a little bit by his teammate Jordan Birch, but certainly someone – I see him kind of having the same uh, 
the same type of impact as a guy like Rick Sandage um, and just kind of being that similar type of player on the inside for South Carolina. Again, anywhere is, you know, anytime you can add depth on the inside of the defensive line and on the line of scrimmage in general, it's a huge plus. But I think Huntley, a really, really solid player they're getting from Hammond. I thought he had a pretty good day on Saturday. Again, there was a lot of talent on the field. And uh, I thought Huntley certainly held his own against some of the best in the entire country. So um, last thing really quickly, again, shorter show, um, just news and notes. And then your listener questions will jump right in this interview because I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. Um, For those that didn't see it, a fun weekend, by the way, a fun weekend of NFL football. What What a slate of games we had in wild card weekend. I mean, every single game felt like it was super, super close. We saw comebacks. We saw the Patriots lose. So, hey, America won this weekend. It was awesome stuff. Um, but Jadavion Clowney, there were obviously a bunch of Gamecocks on the field this weekend from Stephon Gilmore with New England, Pat DeMarco with the Bills. You had Jared Cook with the Saints. And then Jadavion Clowney, I guess he's the only one. His team actually won the game. Um, Jadavion Clowney, though. Trolling the Eagles fan base as he walks off the field, waving to the crowd, going crazy. It honestly reminded me a lot of, if you guys have seen the gif from South Carolina, Tennessee in 2013, which South Carolina did not win that football game, but he does something very similar where he waved the crowd as he went into the locker room at halftime. This time, obviously, in a winning effort. This time, obviously, with the the, uh, the Seahawks in the NFL as they beat the Eagles on Sunday night. Um Clowny being Clowny. I mean, really, really, that's when you take a look at it. Clowny being Clowny, just a big kid out there, loves the game of football, and uh, you know was awesome. He played a great game. I think for those saying that that hit on that hit on Carson Wentz was dirty. I mean, how soft have we really gotten, guys? That we're going to say that's a dirty hit. I mean, he really just fell into him. I don't know what else Clowny can really do there. Um, but either way, very funny to see Gamecock making the national news for trolling the Eagles fan base. Nothing better. Nothing better there. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get in these listener questions, and we'll jump right into the interview. We'll start. Uh, K Hunter five five three thoughts on the quarterback room, and who do you think will be the starting quarterback spot next season? Um, I mean, I think the quarterback room is solid. Um, you know, because you think about it, Ryan Linsky's still really young. I think he's your starter, by the way, next year. Colin Hill coming in, how much can he really make an impact? Um, Luke Doty's going to be a true freshman. And then I've said this before, and I'll say it again. <clears throat> I don't think. I think the carry-on joiner is either playing wide receiver at South Carolina or he is on a different roster playing quarterback. I don't think he's a quarterback. I don't think they want him to be a quarterback at South Carolina. I'd be shocked if he's in the quarterback room. So I think the quarterback room is okay. I don't think it's great, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, behind Halinski, I mean, there's just a lot of question marks, if you will. Um, it's, let's just put it this way. The quarterback room is not as good as it was last year, I feel like. Um, when you had Jake Bentley and then Ryan Helensky and then to carry on Joyner and Jay Urich, who was eventually moved to wide receiver. But um, overall, I mean, it's solid. But I, I do think Ryan Helensky at this point, I'm not going to make any bold predictions and say that Colin Hill is going to come in and win the job. You know, I've said before that I think Hill can certainly push him. But I think right now, without a doubt, Ryan Helensky is your starting quarterback going into the 2020 season, no doubt in my opinion. Uh, cut up, gentlemen. What's our first play on offense next year? And who's the quarterback and running back on that play? I think quarterback running back is Halinski and Marshawn Lloyd. I think Lloyd will get the start game one. Um, first play of the year. Oh, man, I mean, you're playing Coastal. Probably, I mean, honestly, probably a read option run. I mean, I don't think it'll be anything crazy. I don't think we'll go for the jugular or go down the field or anything crazy like that. But, uh, no, I think uh, – yeah, I think first play of the year is probably just a basic run play. I don't know if we'll be in the I formation. It will be – 
in the shotgun or what will be, but I think it'll be a pr- pretty conservative, get your feet wet type of play, get the, get the freshman in the game, get him going. But I, uh, I think Marshawn Lloyd, you're starting back, man. I really, I'd be very shocked if he's not. Um, obviously, he's going to play a lot either way, but I, I just, I, I really think he's coming to South Carolina for a purpose. And I think that purpose is to play and to be RB1. So we'll see, but I, that's, that's what I'm thinking right now. Um, Evan Starnes, 19. How big of an impact do you think Mike Bobo will create for our offense? I mean, he could have a huge impact. I mean, I, I think more so, I've said this before, when he got the job, I, I don't think so much you're going to see a huge schematic change, but do we see a team that executes much better? Do we see a team that executes at a higher level and can just get the job done? I mean, I don't think the philosophical change is going to be that massive. You know what I mean? Like, I think Will Muschamp hired Mike Bobo because in his mind there are things that he specifically wants to do um, he wants to operate within a certain space, and Mike Bobo fits within that space. I mean, let's be honest. Mike Bobo fits in that space. It's not going to be some dramatic change. But can South Carolina, number one, stay healthy? Can they, two, operate at a higher level? Can they execute? I think that's more so what it's going to come down to. I, I, and, and will the play call – I mean, the, the, biggest, the biggest impact that South Carolina fans and the program and the team is going to feel from Mike Bobo is just, is the play calling better? Like, is the play, play calling overall – just better is it more consistent is South Carolina able to adapt and adjust in game I think that's going to be the biggest question that's answered where he'll make the biggest impact in my opinion um a state and one chances that Helensky is the backup you know I I think right now again Ryan Helensky's your starter um I mean I think there'll be a battle though I think there'll be competition no doubt I mean again you're talking about a Colin Hill kid and I know he's had multiple injuries and I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be the starter but we're talking about a guy that has knowledge of the offense. I mean, really, we are. He's got knowledge of the offense. How quickly can Ryan Linsky pick up Mike Bobo's scheme and Mike Bobo's system? I don't think it's too, too crazy complex. And, again, I don't think they're going to try to change up a ton from what they did. But it certainly gives Hill the upper hand. He's been in the scheme before. So, we'll just have to see how that plays out. I think right now, though, Linsky is your starter and will be your starter. Um, a State and one asks again. He's got a couple of questions here. Is Marshawn RB1 on day one? I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, he's going to have to come in and earn the job, but out of Marshawn Lloyd, Deshaun Fenwick, Kevin Harris, um, that transfer from Florida State that's coming in, I forget his name. And if I'm, I don't think I'm forgetting anyone, but out of those guys, like I, I really believe that Marshawn Lloyd's got a fantastic chance to be the number one back. And I mean, here's the thing. Coming in as a five-star recruit, five-star player, you're coming in early. He's going to have every opportunity to win that starting job. So I, I think he will be. I think he will be RB1, to be honest with you. Um, he also asked, can we win the East next year? No. Is Georgia not in the East anymore? That would be my question. I mean, I just become, I mean can, can we? I, I guess anything can happen, but no. Tennessee's a better – Tennessee's improving – Florida is, in, you know, a good program at this point. Georgia, obviously, is Georgia. You know, even Kentucky finished this season with eight wins. I mean, winning the SEC East, I think, is outside of the realm of possibility for this team next year. He also has starting eight no next year. Absolutely not. I see no, I see no way it happens. So, I hate to burst your bubble, but absolutely not. No way. Um, let's see. Edwino underscore 23. How big of an impact do you see from Jordan's commit for future years? Um, I mean, I think it's huge. I mean, I think, you know, you 
great players want to play with great players. And so when as many great players as you can get, as many five-star guys you can get, it obviously serves as like a snowball effect. And it puts the, the country and the nation on high alert and puts all the other elite talent on high alert that, hey, South Carolina's building something. You know, we got something really good going here. You don't get guys like Jordan Birch and these big five-star guys that come to your school if your program's in shambles, for example. I'm not saying that South Carolina's, South Carolina's program is, you know, at the place we all want it to be necessarily, but you don't get guys like that unless your program is on good footing. So I think it just, you know, it gives notice to the rest of the nation's elite players that, hey, like, come to South Carolina. You can win here. There are other guys coming here. You can play with other great players, and you're going to have the opportunity to win big and win a championship. And I think that's what they're obviously trying to build towards. That's why you recruit guys like that. Will it happen? Will he live up to the hype? Will South Carolina's football team be able to translate that talent into wins? We'll have to wait and see. But certainly, I mean, it can help this game college football program. I mean, you look at what getting guys like Lattimore and Clowney and Alshon Jeffrey and Gilmore and, you know, all these other guys, you look at the impact that had. I mean, certainly, again, it is a snowball effect. Recruiting's a snowball effect, and I think certainly, certainly it's going to help this program, especially if he can come into South Carolina and ball out immediately. So, I think it's obviously nothing but a huge plus for this game football program. So, all right, appreciate the listener questions, guys. Let's jump right into this interview. Kawan Lewis, former Gamecocks linebacker. We had a phenomenal conversation. Obviously, Kawan was at South Carolina during the best years of Gamecocks football. Um, I'm talking 2011, 12, 13, all of the great teams, all the great defenses. Had phenomenal conversation. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. And it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Guys, if you need your tickets to anything, whether it be Gamecock sports, NFL playoffs, NHL, NBA, MLB, concerts, comedy club events, whatever it may be, SeatGeek is the way to go. Go download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, they have a great ticket rating system where they rate the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. They make the process super simple, super easy for you. Again, they are the only ticket buying app that I use. Whenever I need tickets anything, especially Gamecock Sports, they are the way to go. And again, if you're going to get tickets to Gamecock Sports, why not use a Gamecock promo code? Use the promo code and get yourself 20 bucks off your first purchase. I mean, you cannot beat it. It's a no-brainer, especially with Gamecocks starting conference play in men's basketball. If you're trying to come to any of those games, try to bring the family out, save yourself some money in the process. You know, alcohol sales are, are here. We got alcohol sales. Save yourself $20 on the tickets. Then you got 20 bucks to spend at the arena to go buy yourself a couple beers. Why not? It's a great deal. So, again, that's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. All right, guys, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks linebacker Kawan Lewis. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2012 to 2014 and then played for Rutgers in 2015. Over his career, he amassed 76 total tackles for the Gamecocks, four tackles for loss, two sacks, two interceptions, and a fumble recovery. He was also on some of the best teams in school history at South Carolina. I'm very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks linebacker Kawan Lewis. Kawan, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's a blessing and a pleasure. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Kawan, let's go back to the beginning for you, because obviously you were a guy that was a very highly sought-after recruit and a guy that you came in during the midst of the Gamecocks' best-ever run in football. And obviously, like I mentioned, you were a part of that. But just kind of talk about your recruiting process and uh, what eventually led you to decide to go to South Carolina. Uh, the recruiting process is pretty crazy for me. Uh, it was a great time in my life. I was able to travel the country and amass over 25 scholarship offers from some of the greatest places in the country. 
So um, for me, it just came down to what was best for myself and my family and a great opportunity at a great, great university to play some great football in the SEC, which is why I picked the University of South Carolina. I, I was going to say, I, I know they really had it rolling at that point. How much did the the opportunity, like you said, to play in the SEC and win an SEC championship, how much did that that point come across to you? How much did that factor in your decision? Because, again, you know, when you got on campus, South Carolina had guys on their defense like Jadavion Clowney, DJ Swearinger, uh, Stephon Gilmore, the list goes on and on. But, I mean, how, how much did that factor in to know that you were going to be playing on a really, really, really high-caliber defense? Oh, that was big because I knew that we, we would be able to compete at a high level with the likes of uh, the powers of the SEC and those other schools in the country. So it helped us a lot. I mean, we were on the roll. The university was already on the roll, and we got there. You know, we had some big wins against Georgia, uh, Clemson. Uh, they just came off the big win against Alabama the year before I got there. So there was a lot of big things happening, and um, great chance for – for you know some NFL exposure you know we had a it's like a hotbed in Columbia I know obviously you play for Steve Spurrier I know the relationship kind of differs for different players especially when you're a defensive guy I know he didn't really he didn't really mess with you guys a whole lot but what were your first interactions like with uh with Steve Spurrier well for me it was um it was pretty good it was a funny guy I mean he used to really get on me a lot because I kind of practice with one speed, and I like the I like collisions a lot, whether it be practice or in the scrimmages. And you know, he likes to protect his offensive guys. So I got I got thrown out of practice or scrimmages a few times, you know, due to high capacity collisions out there. So that was kind of my my big um my funny memories with Coach Asperger was uh you know just trying to protect his guys on the sure. offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I was about to say, I, I've talked to other guys. I know he didn't like those defensive guys knocking around his uh, his offensive guys in practice. But I was just taking a look at your stats, Kwan. I mean, 2012, you played a little bit. But 2013, I feel like it really, really clicked for you. You know, you had the two interceptions. You had a fumble recovery against uh, – or you had a forced fumble against Clemson that was obviously huge on the punt. You had a fumble recovery in the bowl game. I mean, just talk about what – I guess what clicked for you in the sense in your game? Was it just getting more opportunities or was there something about your game that you feel like got that much better going in that 2013 year? Well, well, that offseason, I spent a lot of time with, you know, some of the older players and, and the likes of like um, Shaq Wilson. Well, him coming back was huge for me and um, just learning the defense and putting the time in to actually understand and make the checks and be out there playing fast and not, not tentative. So it was big for me to just take the offseason to understand certain things that help me play faster. Uh, you know, it's funny. We always have this debate. We were actually uh, talking about this, I think, last week or a couple weeks ago about the uh, the team of the decade as far as – because, you know, the decade just wrapped up as far as Gamecock football is concerned. You were on both teams, so I'm curious to ask you, between the 2012 and the 2013 teams, if you had to pick, if they, if they played against each other head-to-head, uh, which one do you think would win in a game? Uh, I mean, it was um both teams are pretty exciting. But I'm gonna go with the 11 and two, with the big win in the um the bowl game, and we finished number four in the country that year. So had it been a playoff, we probably been had been in the playoffs that year, you know. So good point. It was a it was a great year that year against Wisconsin. We won. So good point. No, that's a good point for sure. Uh, just talk about yourself. You know, everybody that comes on, I ask about the South Carolina Clemson rivalry. Obviously, you were a part of beating Clemson five years in a row. Um, 
what did that rivalry mean to you? What does it mean to you now? And just for a guy that's been between the lines, I mean, what is it like playing in that rivalry? Oh, it's deep. I mean, for me, it was pretty deep rooted because growing up, that was always like my potential favorite team, my favorite team coming up as a kid. I loved Clemson. So when I got to the recruiting process, they were one of the few schools who didn't offer me a scholarship. So for me, it kind of like deflated all the love that I had for them. And then getting down to Columbia, it, it only emerged even more to want to beat those guys as much as possible in upstate. What What was the first moment for you in the rivalry where you were like, this is like pure hatred? Like, like when, when did it click, I guess, like on the field? Because I know that it was already there, obviously. But I mean, when, when did it click on the field uh, for you, just, just how serious it was? Uh Pre-game, pre-game warm-ups on the field, I would say. We could just, the, the intensity of the rivalry just picks up at, at pre-game. That we don't like them, they don't like us. And it's kind of it's noted. It's not like a friendly rivalry or anything like that. It's something that you really had to deal with for 365 days. For sure. So I want to talk about a game specifically, 2013, Kawan. You had a big play in it. That's the game at Missouri. Uh, the tip drill, you had the interception. Talk about just that game as a whole. Obviously, that play specifically as well. But, I mean – one of the crazier South kind of football games, I think, in recent memory when you guys were able to. Obviously, the Connor Shaw game, he's able to come in there and lead South kind of back. But the defense had a really good day. But just talk about your play in that game in general. Uh, well, that week it was a, a heavy study week. Like, and that's one of the games that I talk about when I talk to kids and when I'm training kids a lot about film study because I was able to pick up a lot of key points and understand what teams do and tendencies prior to actually going in and playing the game. So it made the game a lot more easier. I mean, they have a lot of different things that you can tell what they're going to do before they actually do it. And then with the um, the tip drill play was kind of big because a lot of your turnovers and, you know, big plays come from just hustle. You know, you know they're not going to really just – nobody's going to really throw the ball right to you. you got to hustle and get there. If you look at a lot of the, the interceptions that Devontae Holloman made over the years when he was at the spur position, he um, were a lot of hustle, hustle plays. Look at the play against Georgia. That he made it's a lot of hustle just to get to the ball. For sure. So I, I do want to talk specifically about that Clemson game in 2013, Kawan, and the play that you had again on the punt. Um, I remember the play specifically. I, I was in the stadium and I was surprised that uh, I think it was Adam Humphreys was surprised he fielded yep. it in the first place, and he decides to field it, goes up, and you just kind of come out of come out of nowhere and just really just swat it away, and South Carolina recovers. I mean. A play, like you said, really a hustle play. Like when you look at it, that's truly a hustle play and, you know, being in the right spot at the right time. And I, I don't – I feel like players that make plays like that, it's not – people want to say, well, that was lucky or something like that. Like you, you don't get lucky. You put yourself in that that position. But, I mean, yeah. that game specifically, I feel like, you know, during that run, it was like the Gamecocks could do no wrong. Like you, you never felt like South Carolina was going to lose that football game. It's like something's going to break our way and – that was one of the breaks that sort of happened where we fall on it, and obviously the rest is history. But, I mean, just just talk about that play. And then, again, that feeling, you know, closing out Connor Shaw's career. He's undefeated at home. Um, you guys able to win the fifth straight against Clemson. I mean, j- just just talk about that feeling, that rush of emotions that night. Well, that, that game was a, was a wild night. It was a crazy night, especially with that, that play right there, knowing that we got the, the possession back and I had a, a big play in that. I played a big hand in that. Was was huge for me because you get the the respect of the state. You know, my name will be forever remember it. Mm-hmm. And that game right there and against Clemson, it's your biggest rival. And in that moment, though, it's just like I said, going back to what I was coached to do. And I'm just a, a at the time was just a 
a hungry guy for the ball. So anytime that I was going up against an opposing player who had it, it was just to, to try to make a play on getting it out and getting it back into the hands of our quarterback and our running backs and receivers and you know those guys to make a play for us to get us an end zone. So that was a big play for me. I mean, arguably between that and the sack on Taj Boyd was mm. two of the biggest things, you know, during that game to momentum changers, energy shifters. For sure. I, I know you mentioned Shaq Wilson earlier, but who, who was the guy for you when you got to South Carolina? Was the guy like you sort of looked up to or maybe was like your mentor, if you will? Uh, Shaq Wilson. I would say Shaq Wilson was probably my mentor a lot. However, a guy that does this went about his business every day that I noticed, you know, all the time, I would say it was DJ Swearinger, the way that he studies the film and prepares himself for games. You know, I watched those guys. You know, that whole team right there was the older guys. Mm-hmm. Were, were really attentive to detail. For sure. So I, I want to ask you, Kwan, to get your take. Going from 2013 to 2014, obviously, again, the lofty expectations, uh, and well-deservedly so. I mean, you guys are a top-10 team. Did, did you see coming – because I, I, the defense struggled, obviously, in 2014. There were a lot of departures, and I talked to Sherrod Golightly about this, one of your former teammates, and you know he cited the lack of pass rush being a big deal in 2014, what he thought really hurt you guys. But, I mean, did, did – did you see that coming as far as like the struggles on defense? I mean, were you in practice thinking we're really going to, you know, we're really going to miss these guys or we're deficient in these areas or was it kind of just, because I know Gamecock nation, Gamecock fans just sort of assumed like, Hey, we're just going to keep it rolling. Like no big deal. Yeah. No, no we, we, cool. yeah, we all felt like we would keep it rolling. We didn't can't necessarily say that we seen it coming. However, Guys had to deal with when me, Sherrod, and Sky Moore started begin, beginning to play. We were inexperienced guys, mm-hmm. but we had a great D line in front of us. So the three games, first three games, where we were trying to like you know learn and get to start playing faster, they worked with us. They helped us. It's harder for a linebacker to help the D line in that sense mm-hmm. and that way because we need the D line to help us keep us free so that way we can make the plays. We had a lot of inexperienced players on the D-line who hadn't had that many snaps, that many reps to know what it's like with a lot more teams at that time going hurry up offense. You know, it was just the, the, the was actually changing at the time. So it was just a difference with that. And uh, it's a lot of young guys playing, I would say. For sure. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump around here a little bit because you make a good point. I want to ask you, I know you're a guy that still follows along with the program and the linebacker yeah. position for South Carolina the last couple of seasons has been – one that has been a mixed bag, I feel like, as there's been some scrutiny on that position. But you make a really, really good point in the sense that you really do need a good defensive line to help out those linebackers. And I think we've seen that at different times at South Carolina. What have you seen from the linebacking court at South Carolina over the last couple of seasons? Because, again, I feel like they've been one of the more highly scrutinized position units uh, on the Gamecocks defense. Well, I mean, you, I, me, from what I've seen over the years and just being able to watch these guys, I love the way that T.J. Brunson has played over the years. I think that if you get a core of guys that actually play for a while together, you know, bond together and able to play over a few years together, it helps a lot more than just, you know, always, you know, a couple of JUCO guys here, a couple of JUCO guys there. Everybody's in for a year and out the next year. It's kind of hard to gel that way. you got a lot of people trying to make plays, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. just for oh, yeah. themselves. So. It's a difference. When you get a core group of guys that have been there two, three, four years, if you gel together, you understand the understand the system and the scheme, you play faster that way. And you make a lot more plays. Look at those guys at the University of Miami. I believe they played over 50 games together. 
mm-hmm. at, at linebacker. And, and it shows at times, you know what I'm saying? So, so that so that experience at the linebacker position, like almost like offensive line, like that 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 really does matter just as much as the linebacker position as any other position, really. Yes, because you're in charge. Of, you're in charge of ev- everything. You know, gap gap responsibilities and getting the D line information and getting the the back end on the same page as you. So when you're kind of just thrown into the fire, I know what it's like. I know what it's like. North Carolina came out. My first start, they come out running hurry up offense, and I'm trying to get everybody, everybody lined up. And it's my first start, mm-hmm. learning a new system, and these guys are going to hurry up offense, and it's 100 degrees in Columbia. <laughs> it can be tough. Yeah, it can I, be tough. I was at that one. That was one of the hotter days. I think we. That was one of the hotter days I think we've ever had, as far as a game day is concerned. But uh, now I was going to ask you. Obviously, you you were fortunate enough, Kwan. You played a lot of great moments at Williams Bryce Stadium. You were a part of. Them, yeah. I think off the top of my head, 2014 Georgia, uh, 2013 Clemson, uh, 2012 Georgia. I mean, if you had to pick one, the loudest you've ever heard williams Bryce Stadium, what would it be? Wow, out of those those moments right there. Or if, you um, have an, or if there's another one. I mean, that's just like some of the off the top I think of my that, head. I think that for me, I, had a, I, I would say 2014 Georgia may have been crazy loud, however – I couldn't hear because I had an excruciating migraine, but mm. I wanted to play in the game, so I blocked everything out, and it, it was a fantastic atmosphere that day. But I'll probably say the loudest would have been – it has to be between 2012 Georgia and the 2013 Clemson game, where the I would lean more toward – I'm biased about beating Clemson, so I'm going to always <laughs> ride on – that that day when we beat those guys from upstate. For sure. So you, you take a look at your career again, you know, three years at South Carolina, you transferred to Rutgers, uh, had a really good year for Rutgers in 2015. Was the decision to transfer you, for you, Kwan? I guess how difficult was the decision, if difficult at all? I mean, I'm sure it's something that it looks like you probably wanted more opportunities. And I mean, again, you, because I mean, you, you had a great year in 2015 for Rutgers, but just talk about that decision to transfer. What went into that? How tough, it, if at all, was that decision? Oh, uh, well, that decision. I never really wanted to leave Columbia. I love that. I love the University of South Carolina to this day. I, anywhere I go, I'm live. Would have something on. I, I have my bull watch on actually right now with the uh, block C in it. So I'm kind of indebted forever to the university, and I never wanted to leave. However. I had some family situations over um, in 2013 and 14 in which I felt the need to be closer to my family. Mm-hmm. And we had a, 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 a horrific back-to-back year as a, as a family that I needed to be closer to home. So I was happy to be able to be a graduate and also be able to be close to my family at that time. But And I thank Rutgers for the opportunity. I definitely thank Rutgers University for the opportunity, Coach, Coach Flood and – Coach Frazier and all those guys up there it was a, a great experience. But I don't take anything away from being in Columbia and being a Gamecock forever and just doing what it takes to, to, to finish there. And um, like I said, if, it, if, if things would have been a bit different for my family at the time, maybe things would have shook out different for me to be able to stay in Columbia for that last, that final year. But again, I'm, gra- I'm glad fully to say I graduated from the University of South Carolina. No doubt. So I do want to get your take on this, though, because obviously, again, 2015, I mean, these, you know, that, that entire team, basically, your guys, your teammates, guys, your buddies with, 
you know, Steve Spurrier obviously resigns midway through the year. I mean, how surprised were you, obviously not being in Columbia, but you're, I mean, I'm sure you're keeping up with it. You're seeing what's going on. I mean, how surprising was it to you just how the 2015 season unfolded from the record being what it was to Steve Spurrier resigning? And I mean, you know, people make the great point. This is less than two years after, like you mentioned, you guys go 11 and two and finish fourth in the country. I mean, how, how shocking, I guess, was all of that to you? Uh, to me, honestly, I don't think that it was that shocking. I felt like we all had, as players, probably even during the successful years that we had at South Carolina, like, like I'll say that I'm a South Carolina guy. I think deep down inside, Coach Sperrier will always be a Florida guy. Mm. He'll always be a Gator. And I felt like that he, 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 he was done. You know what I'm saying? He, he was mentally, he was checked out. Um, the game began to pass, you know, the game began to pass some people by, you know, as, as time goes on, the game has evolved into spread offenses and running gun. And you got six receivers on the field, you know, different things were changing at the time. Mm-hmm. And if you're not keeping up, you know, as a team and as a staff, we're not keeping up with certain things, you know, it's sometimes in the best interest to step away or take a different role. You know, everybody is uh shifting positions. But like I said, I believe that, Coach Sperrier is always going to be, I thank him for the opportunity to play at the University of South Carolina, but I think that he'll always be a, a Florida Gator at heart. And I felt yeah. like that was big for him. Yeah, and I think you see that now. I mean, he's obviously a, what an ambassador for the University of Florida. And, uh, yeah, you talk about the game passing him by. He's, he's mentioned this and admitted to it, but definitely the recruiting side of it, I think, is what everybody looks at. And it's just, you know, that if you, you can't recruit in college football, you're not going to be very successful. But uh, obviously with him resigning, uh, Sean Elliott gets the interim job, and then Will Muschamp obviously gets the job. Um, has had a good first couple of years. I know this past season was obviously pretty rough. But just talk about, as someone who is an alum of the program, you've got a different connection than just even a normal fan. Um, what, when you look at this program, I guess, what's your overall take on the state of South Carolina football and going into, going into the future, into the 2020 season? Honestly, I think it's going in the right direction. I, I, I believe it's going in the right direction. I love what they're doing right now with the the recruiting that they're doing right now with the the transfers that they're getting to come in there, um, the guys out of high school that they're getting to come in there. We got to be able to recruit those same players that the other SEC powers are recruiting. And um, I feel like he's doing that. I feel like he's got a great staff put together to, to do that. I feel like he's making the correct moves with – with various situations that I've been evaluating, that I've been evaluating over time. However, um, Will Muschamp is a, a phenomenal coach. Actually, when he was at the University of Florida, this was my second choice. I mean, my top three schools came down to Florida State, Florida, and South Carolina, and Florida being number two. So I'm happy that Will Muschamp is with the Gamecocks, you know, and, uh, Forever will be thankful to that guy because he offered me an uh, a offer to further my education as well as my athleticism. For sure. So you made you made a really good point. I'm curious to get your take on this, Kawan. You talked about you know South Carolina has done pretty well in the transfer market as far as uh, picking up grad transfers and stuff like that. As a guy that transferred, when when you look at sort of the way college football is now, because I don't think when you transferred it was quite as, like, wide open as it is now with guys just being able to kind of pick up and go, whatever. Yeah, and now it's like free agency. Right, right. And especially, too, like guys being able to play four games and still pick up their red shirt. Like, that's not the transfer stuff, but things – college football has evolved. I mean, when you take a look at it, again, as someone that did have the opportunity to transfer, obviously for much different reasons, though, I mean, what's your thoughts on just the, 
a transfer portal, if you will? Uh, I feel like I feel like it, it can be good, but it can also be abused at times. Mm. You know, um, but when it works out, it works out. You look at a couple guys have transferred and, and won the Heisman and, you know, became Heisman finalists or became first-round draft picks. So I tip my hat to those guys. But at the end of the day, I just – I've seen certain some guys transfer three times. Mm-hmm. At, at some point, the universities are not the problem. Sometimes maybe <laughs> you're the problem. Like, and and that's just that's my take on it. You know, that's my take on it. You gotta know yourself, know your your worth, and know what you're putting in. Like, what are you putting forward for yourself as to why you feel like these changes need to continuously be made or if this is the right move for you. You know what I'm saying? You you just it's a family decision. It's also a decision that you have to make personally. But that's my, my take on it. You know what I mean? If it's a if it's a one time thing and you put yourself in a better position, I never would have fought a, a player or a school. But I've got those guys that are transferring three times, I think that's a, a mm-hmm. bit excessive. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, I was taking a look at the college football playoff this year. For example, three of the four quarterbacks, <clears throat> three of the four quarterbacks in the playoff were guys that have transferred, which which I think is just it's it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Like that's that's kind of the reality. Like if you need a quarterback, just basically hit the free agent pool, like you were saying. Um, all right, so go on. Let's switch gears a little bit. Just talk about what you're doing currently now. I know you talked about at the beginning of the show training athletes. I mean, what what what's the life of Kawan Lewis right uh, like uh, right now? Uh, life of Kwan Lewis right now. Um, face some adversity over time, you know, just um, moving forward with my life right now currently and just trying to make better decisions and continue to share my story and my life with the athletes of today and the students of today and um, help others, the young guys, get to colleges now and um, training athletes and just trying to help everybody, you know, further themselves and learn from one another and continue to can help everybody be successful. No question. So, Kwan, I'm going to get you out of here, but last question before I let you go, and I feel like I know where you're going to go with this just because some of your comments from previously, but if you had to pick one moment that was your your favorite memory in Garnet and Black, what would it be? I would say the sack on Todd's boy. I think that would be, think that would be a big moment for myself personally. Um. And just going eleven and two. I mean, that that year was a historical year. Finishing number four in the country, people might not understand how hard that is to do. Yeah, highest finish in school history ever. So I, I uh, you know, I, it's the amount of good memories you guys provide to Gamecock fans is you, you can't even put it into words. But Kawan, really do appreciate you taking the time. And man, like I said again, it was a pleasure watching you in Garnet and Black the way you played the game. And again, all the great memories. There's so many moments we could spend hours talking about, but. Uh, Really do appreciate you taking the time, man. Let's do it again soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. Go Gamecocks. All right, perfect. So for Juan Lewis, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show.